0: Welcome to Talera Talks, the business English communication podcast for non-native professionals. My name is Paula, and I am co-hosting this show with Simon.
1: In this podcast, we're going to be covering communication advice and tips to help express yourself with confidence in English and professional settings. So we hope you enjoy the show all right welcome back to another episode of talera talks my name is simon and as always wherever you are i hope you're having a great day i'm joined as always again by paula paula how are you doing today
0: hi simon doing great thanks how are you today
1: i'm doing really well uh we have another great guest today um and uh Rick, we'd love to hear a little bit about yourself, um, from yourself, but first I'll kind of give a small introduction. Um, I think I cover some of the important parts, but there's always so much more. So um, Rick King, uh, I guess, can perhaps be best described as an innovation strategist um, who has very deep experience when it comes to cybersecurity, digital transformation, um, corporate IT integrations, and corporate leadership, including most notably two decades at Thomson Reuters in roles including chief technology officer, uh, chief information officer, COO, and managing director along with overseeing the digital growth and transformation of the Canadian multinational media conglomerate that is Thomson Reuters. Uh, Rick has and still is, I believe, active on several boards uh, including TCF Financial Corporation and American Public Media. Um, More recently, Rick was uh, tasked with taking on the role of chair during the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airports $1.6 billion overhaul. So this was a huge project, um, one that I think we'd be interested to hear about. Um, As well, um, Rick earned a bachelor's and master's degrees from the University of Vermont and uh, a certificate in cybersecurity oversight from the Software Engineering Institute at Carnegie Mellon University. So I thought there's just so much here and so much in your experience, Rick. Um, I mean, there's so many places to start, but really, I would love to start just to kind of hear a little bit about yourself. And if I'm not mistaken, you started off as a math teacher and coach, and then you know, I guess one thing led to the other, and you ended up as the managing director at Thomson Reuters. So, if I mean, was that always a, an idea on uh, your path of what you saw for your future?
2: Well, uh, good morning, Simon and Paula. Um, great to be with you today. Um, no, I have to say no, my, my, my career objective when I started as a young person out of college was to be, you know, a teacher, a coach, a school principal, and then what we call in the, in the States, a superintendent, the person responsible for the school district. For some reason, I thought that I could run a better school district than whoever was doing it at the time. I don't know what possessed me to have those thoughts, but. I went through um, all of that, but I think the important part of the beginning was a focus on teaching and coaching, which came back uh, later on. And 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 frankly, then I'll get to the latter part of the career, probably 10 years in at Thomson Reuters, so certainly toward the end, um, I finally realized that it was almost like a full circle connection that um, made me realize that you could look at a business through the people and coaching, Um, uh, and that would be a unique way to approach things. Now, granted, you mentioned all the technology roles that I had, which were predominantly what I did. But what I found that typical technologists look at the business through technology, typical marketing people look at it through social media or campaigns, typical uh, finance people look at it through spreadsheets. Nobody including HR people actually looked at it through a lens of people. Um, that struck me kind of strangely at the time. And I said, why didn't HR people look at it that way? Well, I think HR people were struggling to be at the big table and talk with everybody and they needed to, to show their business prowess. So they typically didn't um, espouse the employees as much as they should. and. I kind of thought I could bring together my expertise and my interest in people and coaching and do it through technology and do it as an executive out of business. And, you know, that sort of, uh, in the exercise, uh, vernacular of your watch, that closed the loop for me on, on one of those career things.
0: I love to hear that. And it's so great to have you here, uh, Rick today. Um, especially for this topic so today we're we're mainly talking about appreciation and would love to hear your thoughts and when people talk about appreciation these days i feel that it sometimes come from more like the hr realm but talking to you being you know having so much experience in technology and cybersecurity, and having you know being a senior executive i i love how you've been able to combine those worlds and it just feels so so important relevant
2: yeah, I, I, I do want to emphasize my greatest partners in this whole journey were my HR team. But I don't think I don't think they had the juice to lead it, nor should they by themselves. That's the key. And I think they would say they shouldn't lead it by themselves, most of them. Uh, some of them have the juice, some of them don't. But you need to get the line executives involved in this. And I think that's something that... Um, made a difference for me in my career, both in terms of the way I felt and what I wanted to do, but all more importantly, all these people that were working in our organization, not just mine, but in the total company. Um, and, and, you know, you asked about the, the um, you know, the significance, I think, of appreciation. And I think it's always interesting to start out people Sometimes on the negative side, they think oh, this is just the fluffy stuff. You know, you can serve a, a good cake without the icing. You know what what's all this about? And I got to tell you how important appreciation is. It's not just appreciation, but if you've if you've read anything about thematic uh, approaches to living and how people are innately um, interested in things, what you find is that the heart and the mind uh, are the seat of a strong set of passions and that there's a hunger by people for personal recognition and accomplishment um that's part of their their self-worth and their significance so if you look at the the motivations of somebody in in the world and that's the basis of what people think um appreciation becomes one of the most important aspects of trying to accomplish the mission that you set out to do
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you've made so many good points in there. And, And the first one from an HR perspective, I think is so interesting about the kind of transformation that HR has been under over the past, yeah, 20, 30 years of this role of just being an administrative role, you know, and then you want to get a seat at the table. So you need to make more business analytical decisions as opposed to this right, what you would call like fluffy, right, which isn't really that it's, you know, focusing on the people as your internal customer and, and what are their needs, right? And have, how, how did you see a shift in this? Uh, or did you see a shift in this over over these 20 years at Thompson Reuters, where it was going from more administrative kind of business focus to more people focus, more people centric? Did you see this kind of shift happen? And if so, how, how did that happen?
2: Well, I do, I do think over that 20-year over that period, I saw significant movement um, happening. And I think uh, the, the satisfaction of the HR professionals to be able to more contribute to the overall business that way became important. And I think it ebbed and flowed a little bit during the times when, you know, uh, employment levels or, or being able to get in, uh, employees was an employer uh, game. the employers uh sort of could call the shots and i don't think that um until they realized that they weren't getting the full commitment of the people that that uh they sort of started to morph and say well we've got these great people how do we enroll them more fully and now um in the last few years it's gotten even more significant so the people that were pre-positioned as thinking about it being more an employee oriented uh, scenario versus employers um, are better situated today uh, during this time of difficulty with both retention and um, recruitment of, of good people. People pretty much can call their shots career wise, including going onto the sidelines. And um, those companies, and I think Thompson Reuters was one in general who did the right things with people along the way. Uh, they did the right things in a variety of areas, including expanding things like parental leave and stuff like that that are important to people, listened to the people and did that. And then um, when, when these kinds of situations come, like we're faced today with all of the uh, resignations and people staying on the sidelines, um, it's the companies that do the things that the employees really were advocating for that are doing better than the other ones, you know? And frankly, uh, not just these programs, like I just mentioned, but the idea of appreciation and uh, understanding and and having ways to uh, recognize people for their good work. Um, Part of it is the idea that you have career progression. Part of it is certainly uh, based on um, compensation. And part of it is just simple, I see you doing good work
1: right and and we we you know we talked about this previously in one of our webinars around employee engagement and like you said this whole uh, you know the the great resignation and all of this concept that's happening now um, where people can call the shots and one of the things that we really boiled down to and a lot of the people that we spoke with was it really comes down to and you mentioned this about line managers and that that individual relationship that employees have with their managers and so much of that is, recognition and appreciation for the things that they're doing could you touch a little bit just on uh, with your experience kind of going through your 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 career progression what was that like was that something that you all like you had to develop a skill you had to develop as a manager and then an executive or was this something that were the principles of this that you took away from from the coaching and the teaching uh that you mentioned at the beginning
2: yeah so i i, I think I think as I look back at it that um some of the background that I had in teaching and coaching certainly helped. So innately, I think um you would develop uh those things perhaps faster and, and realize the strength of them in terms of what you're trying to do. I mean, after all, if you equate it to a, a sport, you, you put the best players into certain positions, you have a game plan, you practice. And then you you execute and you adjust as things go on, and you work with individuals to perfect their skills, and you work with a team to perfect its collective skill. And then you know there's all kinds of opportunities for for recognition in there. How parallel is that to what you would do in a in a, in a good functioning uh, company? It's it's exactly the same, only rather than maybe dealing with high school kids or college kids. You're dealing with um, some strata of professionals, from beginning professional to people along in in their in their journey. But the the idea that no matter what age they are, um, whether you're a, a, a little mite in a in a sport or you're up to uh, somebody who's close to retirement, you appreciate being recognized for the work that you do. And I I would say that. He, you're right, all of the surveys on employee engagement show that the employee's manager, their direct supervisor is the one that they feel has the most credibility. Uh, and then as you go up the management ranks, the credibility tends to decline. It doesn't always have to, but the people they trust the most are the people that are closest to them that they see the most often. So that's important that means as a leader, you're one of those ones up there. I want my, you know, my confidence level to be the same as that line manager. And how do you do that? That's the key. One thing that you have to do is as a leader, you need to set out what it is you, you want everybody to do. What, what's the mission here And uh, you've got to make sure that all those line managers and all the people between you and the the employees know the same mission. They know what you're trying to do, they know how you're accomplishing it, they know that you'll go to battle for the resources that are required. And then, if that's communicated down through all of the ranks, then you'll you'll have increasing uh, increasing confidence. I think that one of the issues there is always one of um, you know, the telephone game, where if you pass along things through multiple channels, it gets a little muddled each time and muddle upon muddle gives you double muddle. And sometimes your message doesn't get through. So my, my strategy was uh, sort of the same as coaching, but my strategy was this always use the line managers communicate through the chain of command The line managers are the ones that are going to give the direction. Uh, You are the one giving the mission, but in a separate form of communication, disintermediate all of the people in between and get your message right to the employee level. Don't rely solely on this pass down, but don't skip that, do something in addition. So I call it disintermediation of all the middle, um and you can do that by making sure that when you are giving direction if you have a global group and you don't see them all the time you use forms uh that include video where you can where people can watch it see it you can have it translated as required depending on what's what what groups are being uh shared with and make sure that people have the opportunity to hear from you directly and then of course there's all the site visits that you do. And, and what you do when you go visit a location uh, is really important, especially if you're only going to be there maybe once a year to see that group of whatever it is, a couple hundred, a couple thousand, whatever the number happens to be. Um, my approach was when I go there, I want to meet with small groups of employees. The managers um, will have a separate meeting. We'll talk to them. I want to get to as many people face to face as I can on that trip. And it's not just on a, on a stage in front of everybody. We do that, but that's not good enough. You know, I want to engage them personally, find out a little bit about them and so forth. And, uh, most often what I tried to do, uh, one year, I said, I'm going to walk by everybody's desk, no matter where you work. <laughs> so it involved planning trips to each location and then when there just walking up to their desk and saying hello and it was you know it was less than usually a minute could be two minutes but it was at the place where they worked and you know you see their family pictures in there or their little tchotchkes or whatever they got and you can engage in a conversation and i'm telling you in that kind of thing and knowing a little bit about what some of them do there's some kind of connection that's formed that helps you when you say, here's what we got to do, we've got this big, huge thing we want to do. And they go, you know, that person, they were pretty human. They were kind of real. They came yeah. by, they said they like donuts. <laughs> I like them too. You know, I'll give them a benefit of the doubt. Right.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's so, it's so important to be able to, to show that human aspect. Cause when I feel when people are on stage, they can be great, great speakers, but it's so hard to to be an actual human that you can you know, relate to. So by having that face-to-face, even if it's just a minute or two, uh, as you said, it really, really helps build that that trust that you were saying. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you in having that at least small groups or one-to-one that.
2: Yeah, and the other part that you mentioned there uh, um, embedded in that was really critical. And you know, this is communication pros, it's two-way communication versus one-way communication i mean that's mm-hmm. that's where you get engagement so it's good to maybe speak in front of the whole group cuz that that's that's good but if that's what your mission is to go there and do you're missing it that's just a small piece
1: mm-hmm. and that kind of touches on this one point which i think is so interesting because there is this this kind of cliche of the executive who's out of touch and just doesn't know what all of us down here at the you know at the floor are doing and and there is that kind of cliche of that person being removed but when you're going and then you're meeting with a handful of employees like what is that what does that conversation look like I mean what what are those questions that that you're asking because I think you know it could be that you're just mean just to kind of get to know them? Or, or are you trying to dig deeper about their problems? Or, 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 or how does that look? Yeah, I, I mean, um,
2: keep in mind now, one of the things, sometimes my my leadership team or the managers get a little nervous because you're going to talk to people. And I don't exclude them from coming, but they, they end up excluding themselves because of what I say It's about the employees. I'm not going to give them work direction. So that's a promise, but I am, you know, if they tell me something that's going on and I'm concerned about it, I certainly will highlight it, but that's not my purpose. My purpose isn't probing about what's going wrong or something like that, but I'm open to that. My purpose is to make a connection with them. So I, I do, I'm, I'm interested in what they do. Um, what I, I usually say something like, tell me a little bit about your daily work and then Tell me what you do when you're out of work. What's your favorite thing? And if I'm, that's when we're in a small group. And if we go to their to their uh, desk location, their cube, whatever it happens to be, I we don't script anything. I just see what I can tell in their cube. I always come up with something to ask them about. There's some. There's always some tip. There's a certificate frame. There's a little tchotchke. There's a picture of somebody. There's a pet picture. Who knows there's, and I asked them about that. Now, if they want to offer to me some advice about something that's not going right, I'm all ears and write it down and we'll definitely follow up. And they will hear about that back from their, from their team. And I just pass it on to their boss and say, look into this and let me know. And then let the employee know sometimes I'll write the employee back if they suggest something and, and say, thank you. but. Um, my purpose in talking to them is a personal connection more than getting something like that out of them. Um, so that's the, and people say, oh, how do you have time to do that? They say, that is my job. I mean, what do I do? I lay out the objectives. With the executive team, I fight for the right resources and make sure the, object- the objectives tie in. That's a different part of the job. The other part of the job is having the team to do the job period. That's the most important thing. So what else would I do go into my office and look at spreadsheets? No okay. way. It's, it's about the people that are working there, making sure they know what they got to do, making sure they know who you are and they trust you a little bit more than they did before. And they'll go They me. You know what? I'm going to just do it because I think that person is okay. Yeah.
0: I love how it's such a priority for you. And that I guess that's exactly what, what makes a difference later. No.
2: I, I, think, I think so. And I'll tell you, I think uh, many would maybe say that I might take this to an extreme, but I think it is my focus. And we got all our work done. We overachieved objectives,
1: mm-hmm.
2: even difficult ones. So I, I just say, I rest my case on results it. and outcomes and i'm more concerned with outcomes than i am with you know butts and seats as they say mm-hmm. so you know i um I, I if we set goals right and we set outcomes right it doesn't really matter where people are to complete those missions they'll be in the right place at the right time to do those jobs and to me that unknowingly translated perfectly to the pandemic You know we could just go on about our work it's the places that had ill-defined outcomes that had the most difficulty in terms of uh, completing the tasks but uh i I think i I was going to mention that a couple things around recognition that you asked about that i think relate to this um when we go to those sites i'd always do um we'd always do recognition events, um, people that did things we tried to do, um, employee to employee programs. So allow an employee to nominate an employee. A lot of places do that. Um, and then do quarterly awards and also recognize, um, project completion success. And those come scattered throughout the year, of course. And then, whether you can do that in person or whether you do it virtually, um, I think it's really important. And if you wait too long, you miss the moment. So I think it's more like, you know, you've got to do it. Um, it's, there's a teachable moment. It ends, you, you successfully celebrate it and then you go on. I loved a uh, comment that, um, uh, Michael Dell made, uh, one time. And he said, um, you can always have time for a nanosecond of celebration hmm. and it, it really kind of brought to me the mindset that you know you should be doing this right when it's really in everybody's head if you wait uh, a month a quarter or whatever you know people are on to different projects and uh, you've lost you've lost the moment um so i think the, the group success is important
1: yeah and, and did you did you ever have a manager that, or, or someone that was above you that you felt did that really well with you and that kind of helped you strive and push a little bit further?
2: Yeah, I had quite a few, um, you know, um, I, I would call them the, the, the leaders you work for the mentors that you had over the years. Um, they, the, a lot of times, some of those people they they always did certain things and you kind of cobbled them into your own style um and some of them you never even worked for um uh, I'll I'll give you an example uh, there's a gentleman uh, by the name of Tom Mendoza tom was uh, chairman of a company called NetApp when it was uh, created a storage company and so forth and he did quite well with that um uh, very dynamic speaker um, motivator and focusing on people to great success. And, uh, I, 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 learned a lot from him. One time he told me something that, uh, uh well, he's told me a lot of things, but one, one of the things he told me was he said, you know, I, I, um, I've, I've put out in my, in my company, the fact that if, if, uh, an employee sees another employee do something. Uh, phenomenal, they should call me or write me and I will call that employee who did that great thing and say, thank you. And he talked to me about the calls he's made and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was it was phenomenal. And Tom, uh, to, Tom had a voice like this. I'll try to voice Tom. He's like, Rick, it's phenomenal when you talk to these people. and listen to them. So I'm like, okay, Tom. And I said to myself, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. In fact, I'm going to throw a little branding around it and a little music with it. I'm going to call it, tell me something good. And you all remember that little music piece that goes with it. Let's not think about what it's about for the moment. (laughs) But, you know, and I I wrote uh, to employees and I said, I'm going to start this program. I'd like you to send me an email with a phone number and an employee name. Tell me a little bit about what they did. Doesn't have to be a big thing. Just tell me. Literally, over a couple of years, I got thousands of emails on that. So here's what would happen: pick up the phone and call them. Uh, and the first time I did, I got their voicemail, <laughs> and I'm like befuddled by the voicemail, right? So I, I I called Tom Mendoza back, and I said, Tom, what do you do when you get voicemail? the greatest thing just leave them a long message they'll play it for everybody they'll play it for their mother it'll be fantastic (laughs) like okay all right so that's what i did when i got a voicemail i left the message and um and and interestingly uh after i leave the message i get a call right back from that person you know and i'd say how come you didn't pick up the phone well we didn't think it was you we thought somebody was spoofing your number, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Why, and why would you call us? Wouldn't it be bad versus <laughs> good? Why should we answer, right? After I heard the message, I knew it was good. Um, anyway, that broke down after a while too. And um, But you talk to these people and say, hey, uh, Bill, just really glad that, you know, uh, Roxanne told me that you did this, uh, in this project. And that was really wonderful. Really helped the customer. Thank you. And they're just like, stunned Yeah.
1: Yeah. and
2: thousands of calls like that. And, um, I started getting calls from people that didn't work in my organization. I I would get this email and say, you know, X, Y, Z did this. And I'm like, (laughs) I, I don't think she works where did she work? Oh, she's a salesperson in Asia. She did something great for her customer during, you know, the SARS thing or whatever. So I call her up and I'm not even sure they know who I am. I just call them up and say, hey, you did this great thing. Thank you. They're like stunned. Um, It's the most amazing thing. And talk about recognition. uh, How do you find out? You crowdsource good things with your own employees and then they tell you, and then you call the people. It's amazing.
0: I love this on so many angles. Um, for, for the exact reasons that you mentioned, but also because you know how you were just saying about that that time where you called and they didn't pick up and it went to the voicemail because they were expecting something bad. And I think that's something that happens all too frequently that when we get a call from our manager, we just expect something bad. But opening up that line of communication and trust, it's so powerful and it really allows you to get to know other people, to hear the feedback that they they have, but they may not be. Um perhaps they don't they don't feel like they're they're able to to speak up. So I just love it on some in so many ways. And, and it, also- it
2: was a phenomenal program. Um I, I tell people about it because it's so simple. And I'll go back to another question. I'm sorry, Simon, I didn't mean no, to no, cut no, you no, off. But, no you know, people say to me, How do you have time to do all this? And I keep reminding them, this is my job this is my job. My job, I don't produce widgets. I don't write code. I don't do any of that stuff. I need to get people here who do the work, keep them here, get them motivated, keep them focusing on our goals and objectives and deliver our outcomes. I, that's my job. And that's where that circle came to me, you know, where you just realize you are doing coaching and teaching That's what you're here doing. You're just doing it in a different environment than where you actually started your career. And, you know, going back to this, this, uh, tell me something good. So you're talking one-on-one to employee anywhere in the world about their accomplishments. You're doing appreciation, but you're also, you know, I let the managers know that this is happening. Most often the employee tells the manager, they got a call and they're like, what? That's amazing. You know? It wasn't the manager who generally nominated the people. It was a fellow employee. But the whole idea just builds this thing where you are you know what's going on. You know what they do. You appreciate what they do. Even though you only have a spec look at it, you really don't have a full look. And you don't claim you do. But they they get the feeling that you're on top of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. You've shared so many, so many gems and great pieces of advice. Like we, we've talked about group success and, and crowdsourcing, uh, sourcing all these, uh, great opportunities for appreciation. You talked about this, tell me something good with one-on-ones. Uh, you also even mentioned the, the, in the psychology of motivation, we talk about delayed gratification and how it's much better to do it at the right time. Uh, so all those are great, great tips, but Do you, in your experience, is there an ineffective way to, to appreciate people?
2: I I think so. Um, This is where you get to some of the leadership traits, I think, that are, that are pretty important. So if you think about um, that, if you think about one of the leadership traits that's important is, is being very authentic. Uh, And, you know, um, if I'm in front of people, I mean, most people will know two things about me if they're an employee base and I can, I can tell you how they know that. Um, cause I also wrote a blog and my blog was not about business at all. Um, and I can tell you how I got to that journey, but authenticity is a key word. So people can fish through when you're inauthentic. So any kind of appreciation that doesn't have. Uh, authenticity associated with it um, is going to go wrong. And you can't be, you know, people say, well, how do you know that person did what they said they are they were doing? Well, I'm getting that from one of their employees, from one of their colleagues. I'm just going to trust that it went on. You know, I, I don't need to validate it and inspect it. Um, so I think, I think authenticity is one of those things. I think the other thing that you have to do um, to be effective at this is uh, marry the idea that um, you know, you're know you a much better listener than anything else. Um, the golden ratio of two ears to one mouth is critically important if we focus that way. So being an effective communicator is really being an effective um, listener. And, and um, you know, I think when you thank them, listen to what they have to say. And when you talk to them, listen to what they have to say. I think that funky programs that, um, you know, give meaningless things to people and automatically get awarded because it's the time in the quarter to award them don't mean as much to people as a personal approach whether that personal approach is from their peers from their manager from the executive over their group it should be personal it should be authentic and then i think um you know i think that people appreciate that i think that's where you go right and not go wrong
1: Hmm. rick do you feel like because you have obviously so much experience in, in different organizations being a board member do you see a common thread of this being you know employee appreciation employee engagement as being a common thread for like winning organizations for successful organizations and you know to on the other side of that do you see that that being do you see that being a thing that's lacking in organizations that maybe aren't performing as well as they should be
2: i would say yes to both um i believe that the potential that the people and the organization bring, uh, to the business can be fully developed and capitalized on when the people in the business know what the objectives are and that completing them, um, they will be appreciated in, in multiple forms. Um, and you know, you can't always like pay somebody thousands of dollars of bonus for something that's, that's probably not expected, but you've got to pay fairly, give them the right. Equipment to work with, give them the right teams to work with, um, root out things that are good for those teams, let's say, and then I think, um, set high goals and that's one of the things, one of the other things that, uh, Tom Mendoza mentioned to me, he just said in his leadership, one of the things that he felt a lot of people fell short with was to have high and unlimited expectations and that you're much better off failing to meet some, but still praising people for that than giving such a, giving a, a slam dunk one to, to, to complete so that they can be a hundred percent. And recognition around that is really important. If you want people to feel like they completed things, but People know when it's a stretch and they really appreciate it. So a reasonable stretch is a good thing. And he called that high unlimited expectations, which I think is uh, another way. I don't think you can do that in an organization where you're not appreciating people, where you're not recognizing people properly. And if it's a mechanical thing, it won't work. It's got to be really intrinsic in the value proposition that that company is offering. The employees, and I do think the uh, companies that do that will have better outcomes than the companies that don't. And I think the companies that are behind in that are trying to catch up because right now it's a you know uh, you can't get away with it any longer. And and you know whether this isn't probably going to last forever, it will flip like it always does but let's hope that more and more companies adopt these kind of things and then really see the um, improvement in the outcomes, um, going forward and don't, when, when it becomes an employer market, again, dump some of these really important things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and if you see, like you said, the proof is there, you know, you rest your case on organizations being more effective, uh, obviously retention and, and, you know, how much money that saves the organization and then how effective the uh, the organization becomes when you have these types of employee engagement programs and that actually work right and and it it will be very interesting to see what happens in the next 2 to 3 years you know you see certain companies and and the the big topic is always around working remotely versus in the office right and whether employees can can do the hybrid thing or do they have to be forced to come back into the office and uh, people are saying well look at Google first it's hybrid and then they're going to bring everybody back into the office and then you know that's how it goes just as a last kind of topic here touching on that I mean what 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 are your thoughts on on what you think will happen going into the the next two or three years around uh, employee engagement and and how, working remotely versus working in the office plays into that do you, do you think are you glad that that's something you didn't have to necessarily deal with when you were uh coo at uh Thomson reuters
2: um no i'm not glad i didn't have to deal with it actually that i think it's a it's an interesting um opportunity um what i what i really like is that we've got the technology to be remote to do that so i think I would come, I would say my view is that we're working on different forms of hybrid is where we need to be. The, the question, the question that I have is just how often do we need to get together as a team physically and how do we accomplish that in an organized pattern? And, you know, we had, we had groups in Thompson Reuters, um, that were totally remote and, um, what we did was, you know, once a month or once a quarter, that group would would have a face-to-face meeting and they'd spend the day together. And it, that works okay. Um, and, you know, the geography caused a lot of us to have to be remote from our teams and uh, and get together once in a while, but not all the time. So I think it's all doable. Um, I think the one area that I worry about, and I think we're going to have to create some kind of new new employee mentor program, is when new people come in, I think they they need more than just you know here's your equipment and go to your home office and we'll see you every month for a meeting or something. We need to we need to attach a more rigorous orientation. There might need to be more time in the office, more meeting with people, just to to get going, but not as as a as a um, as a full time piece. Um, before I um, before I left. I mentioned before doing a blog and that was another way that I was, um, uh, looking to directly, um, link up with employees. We talked a lot about the hybrid model because we were, um, you know, we were in the, uh, pandemic for about a year before I retired. So we still, uh, dealt with that a lot. And there was a lot of, a uh, lot of wondering, you know, we thought we were going to be back in three months or something like that. And look what it turned out to be. But the fact is that the technology enabled everybody to do by and large, what they needed to do remotely. We had some that had to come in still. And, uh, I think that's the way of the future is be here when you need to be here, which all of a sudden opens a whole different opportunity for recruiting. You know, you're, you're not saying, Hey, you got to move to Minneapolis or you got to move to Warsaw or wherever you, um, wherever you're, um, location is you can, you can work remotely and people that don't have at least the hybrid option are probably going to lose out on some great, great talent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting point, you know, definitely in HR, but for, for organizations as a whole, right. And, And how do we, how do we navigate that? And then how do we, while doing this, Touching back on the point, how do we appreciate our employees, you know, that are remote and and doing that in a way that isn't uh just a platitude or a quick message, but something that actually, you know, stands out to to people and makes them feel engaged, right? That's a that's a very interesting question and and one that I think, you know, there'll be a, a lot of interesting research on in the next couple of years. So um Indeed. And, and you know, for me, I think probably the big takeaway, which I thought was really interesting today that you mentioned was the kind of the the trickle down approach of, you know, communicating down through line managers, but then also yourself going through and kind of making touch points um, and following along. I think that's just a really interesting way of, of Making sure that communication is is flowing throughout different levels in the organization, and I really appreciate you you know staying on today and 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 uh, all of your all of your your tips and experience. I think is is going to be very helpful, not only from a communication standpoint, but also just in general for for all of our listeners out there. Um, so yeah, definitely. Thank you very much.
2: Sure, Simon. There's two things that following that point that you might listeners might be interested in. I mentioned the blog, so I, I just want to talk about the transition. When I started writing the blog, I, I wrote three blogs internally a week. That was my goal. And I thought, okay, um, every I'll do a business topic a couple times, and I'll do a personal sort of topic. And the readership of the business topics was much lower than the personal ones. Um, what I began to realize is that, um, and the interaction, the comments, the dialogue back, people feel like they're on an uneven platform when you're talking business strategy or something with oh. an executive leader. They, it's harder to engage. I stopped writing anything about the business, by the way, very quickly. And I started writing more personally. And it fell right into that engagement of one-on-one through people all over the place. And so I'm a pie baker. So I wrote a lot about pies. And I also like cheeseburgers. So I wrote a lot about cheeseburgers. And so food is always a big topic that when you talk about food, everybody's equal. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's engaged. And here's what happened. It's interesting. So people read, they respond. And it, there, I wrote thousands of blogs and tons of feedback on the, on the blogs. One time I was in um, one of our office locations and um, not in the States, somewhere um, in Europe. I got on an elevator and somebody who I'd never met before turns around and says, there's a good cheeseburger place here in town. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, well, who, you know,
1: Yeah,
2: Rick, yeah, I know who you are. And so who are you? And they tell me and they work. So this happened multiple times. Wow. And it is the engagement of something that they're interested in that, you know, it's a personality piece, putting it out there. And it really struck me, if you can walk through the hallway, incidentally, on that, tell me something, good thing. I have actually heard my voice in the hallway coming out of a person's voicemail where they were playing it for their colleagues that they got a message. So Tom Mendoza, he was right. Um, (laughs) Those little things of engagement um, are important. The last one I'll mention to you was really kind of funny. This was not at Thompson Reuters, it was at a company before that. We were having a communications uh, discussion and um, sort of, we had this, uh, I call it pre-AI thing looking at our calendars and our mailboxes and telling us, you know, what were we spending more time in meetings and this and that and the other thing. And they came into uh, this executive session and they said, you know, your your group looks pretty normal except for one person. One person had twice as many emails as the, as the rest. And the executive team, I knew it was me, by the way, <laughs> the executive team was just talking about how you could be stuck in your office. You're doing all these emails. This person obviously was insane with emails and maybe doing them all the time. And I said, well, that was me and I know why. And they looked at me like, what do you mean? And I said, when an employee sends me something, I say, thank you. So I automatically double the number of emails that I get so i said do you say thank you to people when they do something or they tell you something everybody looked around the table and said no i said i rest my case i think saying thank you is better and it doesn't really add to a lot of my email time
0: one of those small steps that can uh make a difference in the long run
1: absolutely yeah
0: yeah this is this there's so many things that I, I would love to keep talking with with you for hours and hours but um i feel like with everything that you've shared today uh our listeners will have so much to take on and i really really appreciate and this is a really honest uh thank you for for taking the time and sharing all of this with us
2: happy to and if you know if if uh people uh feel like this was useful and you want to do something again i'm always happy to do that with you i i I think for the listeners hopefully if you just take one or two of these ideas and implement them in your own way uh in your workplace i promise you you will get better outcomes perfect
1: yeah and I, there's already one of those that I want to start doing right away and 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 uh yeah I don't know my phone bill may go up a little bit but uh I think it'll be worth it I'll uh, definitely definitely check into it so thank you very much Rick um so I think we're going to end it there for for everybody listening um definitely uh check out uh Rick uh, people can follow you on LinkedIn, um, and, uh, they can reach out if, if any questions, um, and as well. Yeah. You know, we'd love to hear any thoughts that any of uh, the listeners out there have, but yeah, I just want to say one last time again, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're very busy, man. So I appreciate that. And I think all of our listeners definitely do. Um, so thank you very much, Rick. Um, Paula, any last, uh, comments, questions, anything like that before we wrap up today?
0: Uh, no, I, this was such a great discussion, Rick. I don't know if there's anything else that you would like to mention before we wrap 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 it up for today.
2: No, I think uh, I think that'll do it. I just appreciate uh, the fact that the two of you invited me and we could share some things, and hopefully, it is useful for folks. And I'm glad you are focusing on this on the on your podcast because I think it is a really important thing. And if 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 people are having trouble keeping employees or bringing employees back or all of the issues of having the best people working at your place of business. This is critical.
1: There you go. There you go. Said from the man himself. Absolutely. Um, Well, thank you again, Rick. And uh, thank you, Paula, and to all of our listeners out there. As always, keep learning.
0: And that's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed it. And remember to subscribe to Talera Talks. We'll be back soon with more.
1: And visit our website at talera.com for more valuable content on business English. You can also request a free consultation on the best ways for you and your team to improve your communication skills. So have a great day and keep learning.